We'll turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter three. And if you'd like the teaching notes, you can access that with our QR code that's on your bulletin. If you scan it, it'll pull up a link that you can follow along with the teaching notes. We're going to look at Revelation three. I'm gonna go a little bit short on this and then have a few people come up and make some comments on this, Dave and Dana and Morgan. Um, the subject for this morning is overcoming the lukewarm spirit. We've been talking about this Laodicean spirit, Revelation chapter three. We've been mentioning, highlighting over the last couple weeks what we're calling the family conversation. The family conversation. And these are key passages that we believe that the Lord is highlighting to us in an increased way. They're not the only passages that are important to the body of Christ, but they're important to us right now. The Lord is highlighting these in our midst, and our heart is that our spiritual family, those here and throughout the nations that track with us, would be able to be familiar with these key passages and be able to say a couple sentences or a summary of what they mean so that we as a spiritual family can enter in in a deeper way, in a spirit of unity together to what the Spirit's emphasizing to us in this hour. So I'm gonna highlight just a couple of these and then we'll look at Revelation 3. I have them listed out here. I have six of them listed out in the teaching handout. Matthew 24 is one of them. A quick summary is that it gives an overview. Matthew 24 gives an overview of the increasing trouble that is coming coming upon the earth. Revelation chapter three, specifically verses 17 and 18. We're gonna look at this more this morning, but it's the Lord's zeal to rescue his people, to rescue his church from a spirit of dullness and compromise. Joel chapter two, that's another one. The church will engage in fasting and prayer, and then verse 28, the Lord will release an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A global outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming to the body of Christ. Psalm 2, verse 3 in particular, summary there is that the church is going to be strengthened to stand against persecution that will come from governments across the earth. John 13 through 17, it's all of those chapters. It's the discourse just before Jesus goes to the cross in the upper room. So John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that's one segment. This is a necessary message that equips the church, the body of Christ, for the coming hour of trouble. And then Isaiah 19 is that the Lord is gonna raise up believers particularly Gentile believers across the nations that will stand with Israel in the midst of her greatest persecution that is yet coming. And he's gonna release a spirit of unity and power. And that verse, verse 24, highlights the unity and power between Israel, Egypt, and these predominantly Arab nations that are there as the Lord sends an awakening and revival to stand with the people of God. Well, let's look at Revelation chapter three. Look at verse 14. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. 
Because you say, I am rich, you've become wealthy, you have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. I counsel you, he says in verse 18, to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Look down at verse 19, the Lord says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten them. The Lord, because of his love and affection, he, he brings correction to his people. My personal opinion is that the last year and what we've experienced and what the earth has experienced is a correction from the Lord because of his zeal for his people, because he is committed to awaken them. And I think that if we don't interpret what's happened in the last season of time in this way and through this lens, that the body of Christ doesn't gain any ground in the spirit. We continue on as we are in a spirit of lethargy and dullness, and the Lord wants to awaken his bride. He wants her to be purified. He wants her to be radiant with the knowledge of God and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants her love to be perfected. If anyone hears my voice and he opens the door, I'll come to him, I'll dine with him. And to those that overcome, in verse 21, I will grant them to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Father, we come before you as a spiritual family. and Lord, we love you. We love your leadership. We love the operation of the Holy Spirit. We love the man, Jesus. We ask you for a spirit of revelation to touch us. We ask that you would awaken the body of Christ, that you would awaken this spiritual family, that you would touch our hearts, that you would turn us from any spirit of dullness or compromise in our lives, that we would inherit these great promises that you have given to this church, but also to the body of Christ, to dine with you, to know you, to sit on thrones in the age to come and share in your leadership in the millennial kingdom. We long for these things for our spiritual family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The reason that we're taking a minute to highlight this, and my goal really this morning is to personalize this to us. That's the conversation that we need to be in as a people. When we think of a lukewarm and compromised church, it's very easy to think of people that are not us to think of people that are out there somewhere. Well, it, that's, my, that's the denomination that I grew up in, or that's the old church that I'm from. Yeah, they're lukewarm, Lord. Go get them or spew them out of your mouth. And I think that there is a great need to take these truths that the Lord is highlighting in this spiritual conversation that he wants to have with us and personalize them and have a conversation internally as individuals with the Lord. And ask the question, and this is the question that I've been asking of myself. Lord, am I lukewarm before you? Because if you see me as lukewarm, but I don't know that I'm lukewarm, I need to get into your narrative. I need to get a spirit of understanding and revelation on my life. Otherwise, I'm going to stay stagnant. I'm going to stay where I am and be completely oblivious to my spiritual condition before you. This is the issue that the Lord is highlighting with this particular body. 
He says, you are lukewarm. He says, you are, and then he goes on to describe these very hor- you know, horrible attributes about being wretched and miserable and poor. The primary issue is that they were not aware of their spiritual condition before the Lord. They were lukewarm in their faith. They were lukewarm in their hearts. And the Lord says, I'd rather you be cold or I'd rather you be hot. I'd rather you be on fire for me or I'd rather you be cold because those that are on fire for Jesus or those that are cold and hardened toward him are more likely to acknowledge and see their need. God doesn't want us independent of his spirit. He wants us dependent upon him, leaning upon him, searching him, inquiring of him. And the lukewarm church is the church that stops seeing their need before the king of heaven. The miracle that we're going to see before the day of the Lord is that the Lord is going to take the lukewarm body of Christ and transform her into the mature bride. He is going to take the believers that do not know that they're lukewarm. He is going to awaken them. He is going to set them on fire, purify their love, pour out his spirit upon them, Acts Chapter two, he's gonna release the outpouring of a spirit of prophecy all over believers across the face of the earth. And he is going to have a bride that stands steady in the midst of persecution and suffering, even to death. And that bride is going to be made ready and perfect for Jesus in the day of his appearing. Page two. He says in verse 16 that they are lukewarm. He says, you do not know that you're wretched. This is a very disturbing thing for Jesus to say to a believer, wretched. And what he's communicating is he's not communicating the way that he feels about them. He doesn't want them to remain wretched. The word wretched is not a reflection of his heart and desire as a bridegroom. Rather, it's a reflection of her spiritual condition because she's allowed the cares of this life. She's allowed boredom to creep into her heart and spiritually before the Lord, she appears as wretched before him. She cannot be used of God. Our spiritual condition before the Lord is much more important than our spiritual intentions. We can have all the intentions of being radical for the Lord. We can have all the intentions of being fiery for him and pursuing him. We can move our families to ministries and join churches where there's people that have a reputation of being fiery and after Jesus and radical in their devotion. And yet, if that is not true of our individual spiritual reality before heaven, it does not matter what our intentions are. Many in the body of Christ, they live in the intention of getting breakthrough. They live in the intention of overcoming compromise or addiction or lethargy or whatever it is. They live in the intention of it, but they only live in the intention of it. They never enter into the reality of the Spirit. They never enter into the reality of being on fire for the Lord. And the picture is like there's this giant bonfire 
And there are people that are getting in the bonfire of the Spirit and what the Lord is emphasizing in their generation, and their hearts are being set ablaze with that message. They're being set on fire for Christ. But there are others who are content to just bask in the light of the bonfire. They're content to stand by and watch others be passionate for Christ and be wholehearted for him, but they themselves never get into the bonfire. They live in the intention of it. They are affiliated with those that have a reputation for being fiery for Jesus, but their own hearts are dull and cold and bored. And the Lord wants to awaken us, not because he is angry, but because he is a lovesick bridegroom. He is a God of passion and fire and zeal, and he is going to come after her, and he is going to send her all sorts of testing and refining fire so that she wakes up and enters into wholehearted devotion before him. In a general sense, being lukewarm is to be bored and indifferent before the Lord. If you think of a marital relationship, there is nothing worse than one or both of the spouses feeling bored and indifferent towards their spouse. I mean, that is so tragic. Obviously, we want there to be healthy, vibrant marriages of love and joy and celebration and passion and fighting for one another. When a marriage is, turns cold, then you know that something is wrong. When the person's heart is cold, you know that something is wrong, and you can reach out for help. But when the relationship is just indifferent, it's just stagnant, it's just dead, I mean, that is one of the most challenging and heart-wrenching places to be in a relationship. The Lord mentions five facets of the lukewarm spirit that he describes with these attributes. He describes the lukewarm as being wretched before him. It means to be calloused or hardened. It means continuously resisting the grace of the Holy Spirit and continually resisting the invitation from the Lord to enter in and to cultivate a vibrant life on the inside. He says that they are miserable, they're spiritually bored, they're without an appetite for the word or with prayer. Many believers have not considered this. Am I spiritually lukewarm? Ask this question of yourself. Does my heart move when I read the word of God and when I pray and worship before him? Does it move? Does any, do I feel anything shifting on the inside? There are seasons where we, it's not about feeling something all the time, but what was the last time that we experienced the joy of the Lord and the delight of God in the midst of prayer and fasting and worship before him? And if it's been a long season, then maybe consider asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, do I have a lukewarm spirit? Has my heart grown calloused before you? Are there areas in my life where I'm in agreement with darkness and sin and lethargy and it's leading to me on the inside having a miserable spirit before you? He goes on and lists some other things there. I'm not gonna go through them all. Paragraph E on page two, there's an appropriate response to this urgent passage and this is the response that we repent and overcome the spirit of lukewarmness. 
We have to take this word seriously. We have to be diligent in our response to this. In these letters to the seven churches of Revelation 1 to 3, the Lord many times mentions to repent and to turn toward the Lord. But only with this church does he say, be zealous and repent in verse 19. He calls them to stir up zeal, to put effort and to put energy in walking out repentance before him. That's the only way that you can overcome the lukewarm spirit. It's not just enough to ask the question for five minutes, Lord, am I lukewarm? Well, I don't want to be lukewarm. Yay, I've done, I'm done. We actually have to put energy into it. That's what it means to be zealous. It means that we put effort into it. It means that we lean in to the conversation of the Holy Spirit. We don't give up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, we're in the conversation with the Lord. Father, give me a burning heart. Set me on, passion, on fire for Jesus. Verse 19, we have to put intentional effort into our relationship with him. Because the Lord in verse 19, he's saying, I am rebuking and chastening my people. The Lord really does that. He really does rebuke us. He really does chasten us. Why does he do that? Hebrew tells us, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that it's because of our sonship. It's actually because of our identity before him that he is committed to not leaving us as we are. Paragraph C, Jesus, this struck me this week, Jesus overcame the Laodicean spirit in his own life. He overcame the spirit of lukewarmness in his own life. Look at this. In Revelation 3, verse 21, just a couple verses later, it says, to him who overcomes, to overcoming this spirit of lukewarmness, he says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus, the man who was tempted in every way that we are, he was tempted into boredom. He was tempted into spiritual lethargy. He was tempted to draw back from the will of the Father. And yet in this verse, verse 21, he says, I overcame the Laodicean spirit. I overcame spiritual dullness and lethargy. I did not allow compromise or sin, or spiritual boredom to overtake me in my life. I mean, this is remarkable. If Jesus overcame this spirit, we can too. That's the point. If Christ overcame, and he's a sympathetic high priest, he is the great forerunner, he made the way for us, and he will give the grace of the Holy Spirit, he will give the grace of God to our life to overcome this spirit. Beloved, we can overcome the spirit of lethargy. We can overcome the spirit of lukewarmness as a spiritual family. But it takes intentionality. It takes a spiritual family walking together. It takes us 
talking with one another about these truths. It takes us talking with the Holy Spirit in the word of God about these realities in our own lives, in our own souls. Verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. He begins to lay out what repentance and zealous repentance looks like. He says, come buy from me gold. Come buy from me white garments. Come buy from me eye salve that you would see. Those three things were three commodities that were prolific and well-known to the church in Laodicea at that time. He's saying, you're giving your time, your energy, and resources to things that don't get you a vibrant spiritual life. He goes, I want you to come by for me. I want you to spend your time, your energy, your resources cultivating spiritual realities that have continuity in the age to come. The Lord has given us a stewardship. Every individual believer has a stewardship. And we can use those resources. We can use the stewardship of our life to cultivate a continuity in the age to come as we seek spiritual vitality and warring against this lukewarm spirit. To summarize zealous repentance, and then I'm gonna have our panel come up. To summarize zealous repentance, we have to put effort into realigning our lives with the Lord. We have to put effort into it. We can't just make the confession or even worse, just be indifferent to the invitation and just expect God's gonna interrupt our lives and if he needs me, well, he has my address and he'll just show up someday. We have to put effort into walking out repentance before the Lord. Repentance is not just a confession, but it's a lifestyle change. We have to refocus. I have this on page three. We have to refocus our time and our resources. Repentance is not acknowledging our guilt. It's turning around and going in the other direction with consistency. Which means we have to refocus our time. We have to refocus where our love is, where our delight is, where our pleasure is, where our money's going. We have to refocus these things to kingdom purposes so that we can get rewards that have continuity into the age to come. The Lord promises rewards of repentance, and each of these has flashes in this life and a down payment in this life, but the full measure of these things is seen in the age to come. We get gold. We get spiritual. We invest in spiritual realities before the Lord. They touch our hearts now. We give our time to it. We give our time to loving and serving in the kingdom. We give our time to cultivating a heart of devotion before the Lord. And in the age to come, it will translate to real heavenly rewards. The Lord will remove shame and condemnation. Meaning the white garments. We will, number three, we will have Jesus' perspective as he gives us eye salve to see what he sees. Not just see ourselves as his treasure and as his delight, but to see one another in that same way. 
to look out into the culture and society and to see what God sees, to not adopt a narrative that is inspired by demons, but to hear heaven's perspective on earth, not vice versa. There is a lot of earthly perspective on heaven and what heaven is like and what God should do and what we need him to do and we're projecting up into our expectations of what the Lord should be doing right now. But there is something else that only comes when the people of God receive spiritual eye salve. It's getting a heavenly perspective of the earth. It's seeing from his perspective the way that he's leading the nations, the way that he is applying pressure in society and culture, the way that his hand is on the church and how he is purifying her, the way that the hand of the Lord is leading and directing our lives, even with circumstances that we do not like and we do not enjoy. We have to see the hand of the Lord in it. We have to gain his perspective. The Lord promises fellowship with him. Number four. And then number five, to rule with Jesus on his throne. I mean, this is such a remarkable promise that the Lord gives this spiritually compromised church. The church that he rebukes the most intensely, he offers the greatest reward to sit on his throne, the ancient of days, with the lamb. In heaven, with continuity into the age to come. He goes, I want you to sit with me, and I am committed to awakening you from this spirit. Amen. Let's have our panel come up, and then the worship team to be ready as well in just a moment. We're going to continue on this conversation, and I've asked some to just come and share. We've been having a conversation about Revelation chapter 3. And the Lord highlighting this to us, and the key phrase for me, though there are many key phrases right now, the key phrase for me is that we personalize it. That we not look at our roommate, or our spouse, or our family member, and say, man, aren't you just so lukewarm? Your love is just so dull, but here's what you can do. Go to the person and ask them, do you think that I could be lukewarm spiritually? I mean, if you really want to go for this, go ask a couple people that really know you. Go ask, are there ways in which you see this lukewarm spirit operating in my own life? Have I drawn back? And we have to personalize this because the Lord really wants us to walk this out as a spiritual family. Amen. So what are you guys thinking? I've got a couple thoughts. I want to... I want to talk for a moment about the word by. It's a really critical word in that passage, the word by. Buy gold, meaning buy to gold. To buy gold. You 18. said it, you applied it three ways, to buy gold, to buy ISAV, the clean garments. But the, the concept of buying is really critical to understand. When we're buying something, the buying is actually the exchange of faith, and that's critical. It's the exchange of faith because sometimes when we feel that if you don't get that right, what buying is, you can feel the sting of a kind rebuke from the Lord or you can feel the sting of his, of his merciful chastisement, but you don't feel equipped to respond to it. Because again, if, you, if, you, if, you, if all the stuff that you did 
got yourself to lukewarm, how do you do anything differently to get yourself out of lukewarm? Well, you don't do differently. You respond to the Lord's initiative to get you out. That's faith. If you are taking the initiative to try to do it yourself, if you're trying to buy the gold with your own money, in other words, to use that analogy, you are earning. That's, that's legalism. It doesn't work. But if you are responding to the Lord's initiative, in other words, Jesus comes to you and he says, I love you. Therefore, I'm going to tell you something that's hard to hear. You're not going to like it, but it's because I love you that I want to say this to you. You are bored with me. And, it, and it's, there, we talked about this extensively on Friday night, so I, I'm going to restrain on that point. I do want to encourage you to, to watch Friday night. It's hard. There's an ongoing conversation. We said stuff on Wednesday that was so rich and and powerful that we didn't say on Friday and we're going to say stuff today that we didn't say on Friday. You know, there's just, there's just an ongoing conversation and it's hard to track it all, but the more that you're able to, I think the, the more you're going to be encouraged as we go forward together. But, but even that is part of what buying gold looks like. In other words, Buying gold, when the Lord comes and says, I have something hard for you to hear, but necessary for you to respond to, we buy gold not by retreating in condemnation or shame. We buy gold by responding in faith. Okay, Lord, what do I do? He goes, well, here's something simple. It's, really, it's all really small. Like, listen to the conversation. Just hear it and apply it to yourself where you can. Okay, that's, I can do that. I can do that. Or, or read John 13 through 17 and talk to me about it. You won't feel it at first, but just do that. Okay, I think I can do that. And hey, by the way, the whole community is going on a fast. Fast a little bit. Okay, faith responds to the opportunities that present themselves from the Lord to go somewhere. It's really, it's really the same in marriage. If you find yourself in marriage, the marriage has grown stale. The marriage has grown old and, and your heart's kind of hardened. You don't want it to, but it did. And your spouse is confronting you. Your pastor's confronting you. You get out of that jam the same way. You don't immediately become fiery and passionate in marriage the next day. And I think sometimes when we're rebuked by the Lord, we want to be fiery right then. Like, Lord, Make me on fire now. I love Brenton's worship time. I love the songs he picked. The temptation is to put too much pressure on ourselves to buy with our own money. When we buy gold, we're buying with the money he gives us to respond to the opportunities he presents to us. And they're all small and we're just inching our way out of lukewarm into fiery. It's the only way you can do it. That's faith. And so it's really important to remember that lest you get overwhelmed can I say one more thing? I want to say one more thing. I know I'm talky, but I've been, I've been meditating, just reflecting on Friday night. I want to say this one more thing. And, and uh, I say this in kindness. It has nothing to do with you in one sense. It has to do with the world in which we live and the time in which we find ourselves. The Friday was a, was a dear and precious moment to me because there was a prophetic unction on it that led to a grace for the fear of the Lord and trembling. Here's the problem. There's a problem, actually. The problem is we live in an era in which the fear of the Lord, the grace for it, the actual manifest presence where, you can, where it's like, whoa, 
and the trembling at his word, we live in an era in which the fear of the Lord and the trembling at his word that he produces by grace, it's rare. And when it's rare, it's unfamiliar. I wanna challenge us as we go forward together in this conversation, I wanna challenge us to ask the Lord for help to reacclimate ourselves to the fear of the Lord and to reacclimate ourselves to trembling at his word. Because the Lord, I believe in the days ahead, is wanting to speak more plainly with us and more directly with us, which means it's not just the prophetic to encourage, it's the prophetic to rebuke. And we're not used to rebuke. We live in a culture that loves positivity and inspiration in preaching. We are a people of unclean lips living amongst a people of unclean lips. In other words, it's all positivity all the time. So when the Lord comes with a necessary, tender, but straight-talking rebuke, we're, it, we're not used to it. We haven't acclimated to the fear of the Lord and the, and the loving chastisement of a father that's wanting us to go somewhere, not just feel accepted. He wants us to feel accepted so we feel confident to hear the rebuke to go somewhere. I want to say this a little strong. It is not possible to prepare our hearts, lives, and families for the days to come if we're unwilling to hear the kind but direct correction of the Lord. And there are corrections coming, and there are corrections coming without qualifiers. So we got to have our faith theology Okay, you're asking me to respond. You're going to help me respond. You're going to give me the money to buy the gold. You're going to help me. We've got to have our faith theology so that when he talks to us directly, we're not so thrown off and, and, and into an existential crisis. We have to reacclimate to the fear of the Lord for the days ahead. We need it. We need his help. And part of being delivered from dullness, boredom, and lukewarmness is girding ourselves with an open heart. Lord, I want my frame to be able to bear the conversations you want to have with me but I'm not always ready for in my soul. Help me. I think that's a, a necessary prayer for the, for the days ahead. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's so key. I just feel the Lord's jealousy over each of our hearts that we would all have that conversation. You know, though it be hard and though we feel like we've been having this conversation for far too long now, Lord, um, it's his jealousy that's pressing the point. He's saying, I'm not finished. I'm still knocking. And yet each of us in the individual secret place of our own hearts have to have that conversation. And we have to receive perhaps a hard evaluation. That's what's happening in this passage is we think we're fine. We think we're fine. And, and, and the deception there, it, it's a superficial satisfaction. We are superficially satisfied. And Jesus is looking at our somewhat comfortable, somewhat satisfied condition and going, I didn't do that. That's, that place of satisfaction is partially me and partially other things. The reason you don't feel desperate is because you've put other things in that place. You've brought things into your capacity. And that's, it's hard for us to hear because we really love him. There's real sincerity. But he's going, listen, I am more committed to you than you are to me. I am going to take that sincerity and move it all the way to maturity. 
I, I will finish the work, but it's a partnership. And so the partnering is our own conversations. And I just feel this moment we're in as a spiritual family, I feel the Lord's jealousy. You know, the bridegroom is the, the one whose heart is filled with tender delight over us, even in our weakness and as we're maturing. But it is also the holy, jealous God. He, the bridegroom revelation is his jealous heart for us. The jealousy that says, I'm not okay until you love me with everything, actually. Until there's no more resistance. Until there's no more compromise. And so, even though it's hard, it's sweet. Because he loves us that much. He is so committed to us. And I feel that moment that we're in and the Lord inviting us, really, really, just come have this conversation. I think um, just what Dana's highlighting is so good. I just, I feel like towards the beginning of the fast, I was kind of like, okay, Lord, didn't you highlight this last year? (laughs) The last year, a year ago, the 40-day fast, like Revelation 3, and he's just gently saying, like, I'm still there. Like, I haven't moved on. Like, I don't want you to move on from this. And I just hear that verse, like, I'm longing to be gracious toward you. And I've found, um, you know, just myself, I'm going, okay, I wouldn't say of myself that I'm hot. And I wouldn't say of myself that I'm cold. So therefore, it leaves me in one category. And that would be the lukewarm category. And uh, So I've just been beginning to ask the Lord, okay, show me where I'm poor. Show me where I'm blind. Show me where I'm miserable. And he's longing to be gracious. He's so leaning into that prayer. And he's so ready to answer it. But in such a gracious bridegroom heart way. And um, also, though, I've just been, like, feeling like part of the reason why I felt like I couldn't go there again was because of pain. And maybe some of you feel like you're in that same place is because of hope deferred or um, you feel like you have these things or that you've been there before and, like, you've even, like, leaned into the conversation before, but then you feel yourself again, like, why are we here again? Why am I here again? And I feel like that there's, like, sometimes pain can cause us to distance ourselves and to not um, not want to have that conversation anymore, to not want to, to go there again because it's like he didn't answer the way we thought he would, and I still feel like I don't have a burning heart. And so pain can cause us to even sideline ourselves and to not want to go there. But I feel the Lord inviting us to enter into the pain of where we're at and to the reality of where we're at. And it's okay if we're not there yet. And it's okay. He's, he's longing to be gracious and to, to help us. He's wanting to help us. He so longs to help us say yes to this, where we feel so weak. He's, he's like, I'm right here. I'm, I'm, I'm not moving on. I'm not in a hurry. I am still speaking this, and he's, he's not afraid to go slow with us. It just changes the game when we, when we go, oh, wait, I'm poor. How do I buy gold when I'm poor? I'm miserable. And the Lord goes, hey, just because you're poor and miserable doesn't mean that I am. 
I'm coming to you as a husband. I'm coming to you as a bridegroom who is really rich and really joyful and really enthusiastic about your deliverance. And so when we go, Lord, I'm poor, he goes, that's right, here, buy gold. If we picture him extending a joyful hand to say, no, buy gold, do it. I'll give you the resource. I'll open the doors of opportunity. I'll make ways for your deliverance. If you'll just spend what I give you, you'll find yourself different in a year and five and 10 if you stay with it. That's the way forward is the joyful, he delivers us because he delights in us. He delights in where our love can go. He delights in where the, what the marriage can be, to use that language. He delights. And so it's his delight that makes him direct. The intensity of what he says and the intensity of his rebuke is knit to the intensity of his delight and, his, and the pleasure that he wants to take in the relationship and what you were born for. And so even though, again, the unfamiliar rebuke, we don't quite know what to do with it. The Lord goes, no, just spend what I give you and we'll find our way out of this. We're in this together. I'm not looking at you, wondering why you're in the pit, asking you to get yourself out. I am in you by the Holy Spirit. I am with you with my presence. I am surrounding you with my people. We, the Lord, says the Lord, we are in this together. I am in this with you to deliver you. I am in this with you to help you. I am going to walk this out with you with the full commitment of my faithful heart. I will not leave you or forsake you. You're not alone. I'm going to make you fiery. You're not gonna set yourself on fire. You just stay with me and let me walk walk you through this and we'll get through this together. That's our way forward. Let's have the worship team go ahead and come up, Brenton and the team. I just want, let's just stand before the Lord. We're just gonna wait on him a few moments, do business with the Lord and talk to him about these things. Dave, I want you to lead us just in this ministry time. You mentioned some things of the fear of the Lord. We want to tremble before the Lord. We want to tremble before his word. What you were talking about, about actually going and buying the gold, giving, maybe in your life, all you have to give to the Lord is ashes. You know, Isaiah 55 tells us, come, anyone, anyone who hungers, anyone who thirsts, come. If you don't have money, if you don't have gifting, if you don't have some anointing, maybe you don't have a fiery heart. Maybe you just have what Morgan is highlighting. You just have the pain of your past, the pain of the last year. Lord says, come. I'll, come. Give, the, I'll give the flip side of the delight. Here's the, here's the tremble. The tremble is when it's all said and done, not one person in this room or watching online will have an excuse. Not one person that's engaging with this or listening or happen to be walking by and you, you actually tripped and fell into the sanctuary, not one person is gonna have an excuse. It's not gonna hold up. The Lord is going to say at the end of our story, regardless of how we respond, he's gonna say, I gave you everything that you needed to be fiery. Everything necessary. Peter says it, Paul says it, Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 2, every spiritual blessing is available to us. Peter said he has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. We will be without excuse. The Lord's gonna say, I gave you a people to do this with. 
I gave you corporate fasts. I gave you conversations and, and, bi- and Bible and preachers and teachers. I gave you the fivefold. I gave you my grace. I gave you my spirit. Sometimes when we're stuck, we want to make excuses in our own unbelief to stay stuck. And the Lord goes, that's not going to work. Not where this is going and not where I want to take you. The excuses don't hold up. This is the hour to renounce the excuse, to repent of our lethargy, and to step into, but it's a little step. It's taking that little step, and then tomorrow taking the next little step. We're not going to get fiery by Tuesday. We're just going to take little steps and trust that as we do, he's going to lead us into the fire of his desire. Help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would increase your presence in this room right now, all over the room. I'm asking that you would increase the fire of your presence, your fiery hand. Holy Spirit, come. Just all over the room, if you would, just hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift. We're just gonna make our lives, our hearts a target. That's how faith works. We put ourselves before his fire and then he does what he does. So here we are. We present ourselves to you as a people. We present ourselves to you as the ones that you love. We believe that you love us and we believe that you desire us. And we believe that the dignity and the glory of who you say we are. Our current condition doesn't define the relationship or who we are to you. It's because of who we are to you that you want to deliver us. So I'm asking all over this room, here we are, Lord, help us. Help us increase your presence right now. Holy Spirit, right now, put your hand on different ones. Put your hand on them right now. Let their hearts burn right now. All over this room, release the fire of your presence. The fire of your presence. Right now, different ones of you, you you feel it. Watching online, you feel it. You feel the heat of his presence. The token of hope that he can go bring you all the way in him. He's encouraging you right now. He's encouraging you with his sufficiency. He's encouraging you with his ability. It's greater than your weakness. It's greater than your deficiency. You've used your deficiency as your excuse. He's showing you right now. He is greater. He is stronger. He is better at this than we are at wandering. He is better at leading us into love than we are at drifting away from it. He is better at this. He's looking at you right now. He's saying, I have something for you. Believe me. I have something for you. Believe me. Believe that my love for you and ability to deliver you is stronger than your ability to wander away from it. Believe me. Holy Spirit, make his appeal right now. 
Make the appeal of the sun on our lives. Let hearts ignite with faith and hope right now all over this room. In the name of Jesus. If that's you, if you feel a touch of his presence on you right now, I want you to just wave where you are. And everybody else, look around the room. Just wave. Just go ahead. Keep your hand up. If you see somebody by you with their hand raised, would you right now turn around and begin to pray for them? Just right now. Just gather around them. The Lord is marking, highlighting different ones in our midst to stand with them. To ask for more. If you don't know what to pray, just ask for more. Lord, release more and go deeper. Lord, release more and go deeper. Establish us in faith. Root out our unbelief. Fill us with fresh faith in the name of Jesus. We believe you are who you say you are. We believe that you are the deliverer. We believe that you are our bridegroom. We believe that you are the jealous, unrelenting, faithful one. We believe you are who you say you are. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking, root out our unbelief. Help us to set our eyes on you, who you are, your commitment to us. This is who you are. Help us to see. Even now, if you're watching on the the web stream, if you've got somebody next to you, just ask them to pray for you. If you're feeling the presence of the Lord, go, no, I'm feeling it. Would you pray for me right now? We're going to ask for more and deeper in the name of Jesus. More and deeper in the name of Jesus all over this place. For our friends that are watching, increase in Jesus' name. of God on you. If you do, just turn and grab somebody and ask him, would you pray for me? Increase, Lord. Give us more. Deeper. Go deeper. Keep me soft. Keep me tender. Keep me alive. 
Take us where we cannot go. We can't make ourselves fiery. Keep me soft, keep me tender. We can put ourselves in front of fire. I won't forget, I'll remember that you provide the fire. Fill us, Lord, in a fresh way. Keep me soft, keep me tender. Fill us, Lord, keep all over me the room. Alive. Fill us. I won't forget, I'll remember that you provide the fire. Keep me soft, keep me tender. heart. God, I ask for the grace of a heart that when you knock, our heart responds. We say, my heart, it yearns. How can I say no? How can I go backward? Lord, whom have I but you? Lord, I ask for the grace of a lovesick heart. Give the grace of the lovesick heart that's so tenderized by your spirit. Even now, right now, Holy Spirit, mark hearts with lovesickness. I ask that you would pierce us right now by your Spirit with lovesickness for Jesus. A lovesickness that's willing to press through, to press through, to buy the gold, to wait before you, to say no to lesser things. Lord, we need a lovesick heart. We need a heart that yearns. Holy Spirit, even now I ask, all across this room, Lord, viewers that are watching, I ask for the arrow of your Spirit to go forth and pierce the hearts with love sickness, the heart of your bride. Pierce the heart of your bride, oh God. Wound us in love. We need a lovesick heart. We need a tenderized heart. We need a heart that says, how can I say no? My heart said Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus.
you need a touch from the Lord, or you just want a breakthrough, we want to invite you to come stand up at the front. We have an altar ministry team that's ready to minister and pray with you. So just as we're worshiping here in the next few moments, if that's you, just come up to the front. We always want to give time for that. Just come stand up here. You need healing in your body. You need a breakthrough in your marriage or finances. You need a breakthrough in your heart, in your devotion with the Lord. Just come stand up here. We want to release our ministry team and leaders to come and gather around those that are up here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch these ones that you love and enjoy and so deeply delight in. Lord, send a miracle today. Those that are joining us online, Lord, send a miracle today. Touch those that are sick. Heal their bodies suddenly, inexplicably. Lord, touch those that feel weary, that feel discouraged. There's somebody watching right now. You feel so discouraged. You're ready to leave the ministry. You're ready to leave your family. You're online. You're watching right now. Lord, I ask that you would touch that individual with the strength and the courage of the Lord. That you would breathe fresh life into the weariness of their bones. You would breathe the breath of God. That you would strengthen them. That you would re-envision them to engage in their family. And to engage in their assignment before you. The Lord wants you to know that he sees the smallness of what you do. He sees the smallness of your labors. You feel that no one acknowledges, no one sees. The Lord says, I see. Lord, strengthen the feeble knees. Strengthen the weary ones. Bring a word of refreshing and encouragement now in the name of Jesus. We need more of you to come and minister if you're a leader here. Zone pastors, our friendship group leaders, our altar ministry team, please come and pray for a few here up at the front. Nothing is impossible for you, it's your